on january sixth two thousand twenty one as congress convened to certify the twenty twenty election results an angry mob fed lies about a stolen election marched on and stormed the u s capitol around the world people watched in horror two days later weldon and i sat down to try and process the events of that day this is our conversation so weldon yeah. are you holding up um <laughs> yeah so uh i think i think i made it until the viking was standing in the well of the house yeah it's it's been a, a crazy couple of days and this is not exactly how i envisioned us kicking off the podcast but right. it's kind of fitting i think because we're all in a place of like what is happening what is going on <laughs> this is crazy and i feel like even more for the world right because there's such an idealized view of america from outside of it yeah to see it cracking in the way that it is yeah i think is very disturbing for everyone and i can't i don't know what it's like to live there right now but from the perspective of somebody who is both an insider and an outsider right it is terrifying yeah um i mean i don't know if you saw emmanuel macron gave a, a very moving sort of address to the american people about how American democracy is something the world needs and the world values. And, uh, yeah, I think a lot of people are upset and uncertain to uh, see what's just happened. Yeah. I don't think, I know I never, well, I can't say I never imagined it. This is obviously something that I think many of us feared going into this particular period yeah. in this particular administration. But I don't, it was one of those fears that like you were afraid of, but you couldn't actually imagine happening. Right. Right. I don't know if that, if, you know, like, I'm afraid of the dark. Because monsters, but, <laughs> but then when there's an actual know, monster, it's, it's but different. Then there's an yeah. Monster, right. So, yeah. yeah, the last few days have just well, been and unrolled. Of course, those of us overseas, uh, most of us are on time delays of one sort or another. So I basically kind of woke up to what I consider the splendid news from Georgia that, that Warnock and Ossoff had, had won very uh, strongly in, uh, contested races. Right. Important and races. Important as races, well. yeah. Uh, and then the day just sort of got crazier and crazier and and by the time I went to sleep it was still sort of mid-afternoon in the U.S. and they hadn't even sorted they, had, they hadn't even cleared the capital yet you know so right well can, do you do you remember where you were when shit went down I was right <laughs> well, I here literally right here uh, <laughs> on this computer uh, watching it on YouTube so Here's the thing, as you know, as you know, I have three young children who are Americans, 100% mm -hmm. American. My husband and I are both Americans. Um, and 
but they've never they've never lived in the United States. They've huh. visited. We visit family periodically, but they only. Really it's where know. Grandma lives to them, right? Yeah, and they know they only know about America from what they see on television, really, and what they hear in the news. Mm-hmm. So we had decided that we were going to watch. For the first time in my life, we're going to sit and watch the electoral college certifications. Oh dear! Um, with the kids and kind of walk them through the process mm-hmm. because so many Americans don't really understand the process. Right. And why would they? It's a crazy process. Mm-hmm. I mean, try. I mean, I've spent the last four years explaining this process to <laughs> to people not American and uh, yeah it's crazy the more you explain it the more confused the less you sense, get. yeah right and so we were watching it and we were watching the Senate and it was very early on and things were going along and I think it was the senator from Oklahoma was giving his um, objection mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there was a gavel uh, somebody Mm-hmm. hit the gavel and said uh, that we're, they were going into recess. And I was like, that's really weird. Right. The session just started. And I did not know. I mean, I knew that there was a Trump rally, mm-hmm. but I did not know that they had marched to the Capitol. I hadn't been keeping up with it that much. I've been homeschooling. Right. I've right. been cooking dinner was keeping tabs here and there, but mostly what was going on in the building, not outside of it. Mm-hmm. And so they they banged the gavel and they put the put the uh, Senate into recess, which I thought was super strange because it had just started. And then we're watching, and two Secret Service men come in and yank pins wow. off the dance. And escorted him out very quickly in ways that I've only seen when somebody is in danger. Like when Reagan was shot, like way back when then. Reagan yeah. Was shot or like you know in like a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm like, this is, this is not good. And of course, the kids are like, why? What's going on? And so then we spent like the next few hours watching this with my children who are ages six, eight, and 11, and trying to explain to them what was happening and why people were trying to break in the Capitol building and snipers on the roof. Uh I mean, it's, it was crazy. It's insane. Almost the same thing is happening right now in India where I've really? been stationed before, a, a large march on the Capitol. Um, and I don't think most Americans are used to direct comparisons between America and India or Turkey, you know, or Brazil. But it's uh, it's sort of where we are at this point. Exactly. It's... And it... Yeah. I'm, I am both speechless but i also have a lot to say and yeah. a lot of it is not good. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of bad words in there um well i mean there's it's i'm feeling better than i was two days ago like they arrested the west virginia state delegate that's good to hear um who stormed the capitol um obviously the the 
the bad news of the Capitol Police officer dying and the woman who was shot dying and apparently a few other people died uh, died from, like, you know, a stroke or whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. But, But then the other thing I remember is... One thing this meant was that it wasn't the biggest news story of the day that 4,000 people died of COVID, which was the most any country has ever seen die in one day at, mm-hmm. at you know, so there's a lot going on. It, it's just a stunning failure of leadership on massive scales, because from my perspective, any number of checks and balances could have been put in place at any time to prevent what is happening in the United States right now. Yeah. And we just, not we, <laughs> one group of people just lacked the, the will to make it happen. Well, and, and, ra- and basically the entire cabinet has resigned now. Right. Which means they can't be asked to invoke the 25th Amendment. So it's, once again, it yeah. falls to Congress to remedy the situation and uh, I don't, again, I don't know that they have the political will to do so. I think, I think that Democrats have the political will to do so, but I, I don't know. Like it, I don't know. The Senate is yeah. just out of control. Well, I mean, Lindsey Graham said today uh, I, I, he doesn't support removing Trump from office right now. But if he tries something again, everything is on the table. Um, and then, despite that, he went to National Airport to fly back to South Carolina today and was surrounded and mocked and had to call the police on a group of, of protesters, quote-unquote, who uh, you know were, were threatening him physically. So I guess that, that didn't help him very much. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, at some point in time, yeah, somebody has to take a stand. And it can't just be Democrats. It has to be Republicans too. At a certain point in time, the republic has to the republic has to become more important than the individuals or the parties. And I, it's just. It's I mean, but just, the it's just crazy. We may be speaking on different levels, but like that doesn't have to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing's going to force that to happen if people don't do it. Well, right. I mean. I don't know how what line has to be crossed that hasn't already been. Right. I mean, we've talked to a couple of people from the UK, and and they had the same issue with Brexit. People keep saying, "Well, surely, like they won't let you know whatever catastrophe happen." But but mm-hmm. these things don't enforce themselves. Like <laughs> someone actually has right. to stand up and say, "It's too far." Yeah. We've gone too far. This far, no further. I mean, am I quoting Star Trek now? Possibly. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, just crazy. Yeah. I don't so know. So, what do you what do you expect <laughs> to see in the next couple of weeks? Um, I'm I'm I wouldn't put money on anything right now. People are already talking about the the riot, the protests, the insurrection, whatever, in the past tense, but the same people who organized it in, you know, in plain daylight on Twitter mm. and parlay and whatever are still saying in plain daylight, oh, we're coming back on January 20th. Mm. So I don't know why people are relegating this to the past. Right. When 
the same organizers are just literally so, saying they have a plan to disrupt the inauguration. How do you feel about the conservative conspiracy theories aiming to place this blame on um, left, the left, the Antifa and leftist infiltrators? I mean, I mean, me, I, you kind of expect some of that. Um, you know, and those of us more on the left side of things were saying, oh, that was actually Trump supporters that were starting fires at the BLM protests. And there's, there could be, either of those could be true, I suppose, but it's the existence of the angry Molotov cocktail and IED armed mob in the first place that, I mean, so... I guess my what I'm saying is I can't rule out that there were agent provocateurs in, sure. in any crowd. But the fact is Trump addressed this crowd as people that he, quote, loves and is proud of. Right. Um, and so it's hard to disown that at this point. Well, also, I, I completely agree. I think that there are probably bad faith actors in any group of people mm-hmm. who are looking to make the other side look bad and or people who just like to watch chaos i mean there's there's that too but i think it is fairly safe to say that a vast majority of people who infiltrated the capitol building um have long histories on social media (laughs) of being supporters of conspiracy theories and other right-wing I mean, that's one of those litmus tests. Like, there might be people who showed up out of curiosity, but you don't you don't actually break through the Capitol hard line right. unless you believe in this, you know? Right. Like, if I were going to go to a, a protest just to watch, I would just be like, mm, that seems like it might be against the law. <laughs> right, right. I'm not going to... Yeah. You know, and there's, a, there's also, of course, a lot of complaints about the the police response. Um, It's looking better than it was at first. I think there have been 80 arrests at this point uh, and and they're going over uh, media footage. Uh, And I think one thing that I did find interesting was that there was a pattern that, that was in fact similar with the BLM protests earlier in that the police did not respond forcefully during daylight and then mm. once it was night, responded very, very forcefully. And there's some right. uh, there's some media of that of of the the protesters from the Capitol, uh, you know, being just pummeled and 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 beaten and and driven around, driven off the grounds. Uh, it's it's just interesting to me that that's that's a pattern in both cases that that doesn't seem to happen during daylight. But it did seem to me as though. With the BLM protests over the summer, they were more prepared for daytime assaults, for lack of a better term. I, I don't know. Might riot. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they certainly. Not. Yeah. They. There were cops and soldiers sort of stationed to keep people out of places, they which is something we didn't have here. Yeah. Right. Right. And I don't know if that's because 
expecting them to march to the Capitol. I mean, I don't know why they wouldn't. That seems like a natural. They said they were going target. to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it was a natural target in it. They said that's what they were going to do. Um, maybe they, I don't know. I don't know. Well, and the, the chief of the Capitol Police Force just resigned. So. Interesting. Okay. I, th- I think it was probably a little bit of a failure on leadership. I think it it does look like there was some double standards at play. <laughs> I mean, certainly. Um, yeah, we expect we expect you know people of color to be. Well, I say we, but like Americans in general mm-hmm. and law enforcement specifically have sort of have this mentality that people of color are going to be more violent than white people. And I don't think that history actually bears that out. Right. I mean, there was a a very telling, I think it was the nation got a quote from a protester uh, who said, why are when the police did finally crack down, you know, why are they doing this? They're supposed to shoot BLM, not us. And that was a very, that quote said a lot to me, you know. Yeah, I did. Of course it did. I mean, and I, I there's a reason she believes that. Yeah. Clearly. So, yeah. um, I think we have a long way to go. Uh, a long way to go to, is one thing about Donald Trump's presidency, if there is to be a silver lining in it, is that it has completely ripped off the masks of people and I I think it's in a good way forced us to look at ourselves in the mirror as as a nation who has yet to deal with a lot of stuff a Mm -hmm. lot of stuff that we should have honestly dealt with generations ago but because of our forefathers inability or just an inability or disinterest in it i don't know racism they just it's just been shuffled off to generation after generation and it's it's time to deal with it it's time absolutely it's time to it's past time to deal with it again as i say should have been dealt with like 150 years ago (laughs) 70 years ago (laughs) How long? Yeah, 470 at this point. 470 yeah. years ago, at the beginning when we first, like, yeah. when Europeans first, like, set foot in Africa, and should have been like, hey, fellow human, <laughs> let's build a trade route right. and not colonize you yeah. um, and work together as fellow human beings to make a, yeah. Um, but that's not how it happened, and each generation has had a chance to right the wrongs of the past or at least attempt to take steps forward toward doing that. Um, It's going to take a long time to fully right those wrongs. The further along we get though, I think the further away we get from a, from a solution, if that makes any sense. Like I feel like the, the further along we get from dealing with it, the harder the solutions become. So like, if in 1870 we had given every uh, newly freed enslaved person the proverbial 40 acres and a mule, that would have been an effective and simple 
reparations program. Sure, and we would have had to. Uh, it, it's, but in twenty twenty, in twenty twenty, right. there's so many paths that have crossed and water that's flowed under bridges that what is an effective and just reparation for a wrong is just a, a devastatingly difficult question to answer. Right. You know? Well, and beyond that, like, you know, I mean, people have, have immigrated from, yeah. from Africa since slavery. Yeah. And while their forefathers were not slaves, they still have the they still carry the legacy of that with them because of their, mm-hmm. the color of their skin. Right. Do you, I mean, they don't have the generational experience of it, but they do have the current experience of racism in the United States because, because of the color of their skin. And that's not, that's also something that you have to like take into account. Like how do you deal with, with, you know, somebody whose, whose parents came mm-hmm. to the United States and have felt the repercussions of generational racism. I mean, how do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, I don't. It's hard. Yeah. And I mean, if I, I can if I can jump back to your last thing, I guess I'm about the the silver lining. I may be overly pessimistic because I don't. I think all this has done is moved the window of what's acceptable farther towards racism. Because really? now the next guy, as long as he's not quite as bad as Donald Trump, he can say, "Well, I'm I'm not Trump, you know. I'm I'm uh, Hass or who, who, whoever the who's the guy from Missouri, Josh Hawley. Hawley, right? Someone like Hawley can say, "Well, I'm not saying these awful things about Mexican immigrants that Trump did, and so even though my my actual policies are the same." You know, I, I this is an improvement. I, I mean, I think just the existence of statements in the media, in public, in the public space, kind of legitimizes that ideological space that they're made from. Yeah, and that it's going to take a long time to sort of claw our way back. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I can see that point as well. If you have somebody who's just more savvy yeah. at saying, or, or who just doesn't say the quiet parts out loud, right? Um, or does, but like in an, more artfully, right. in an acceptable way, then yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's, I mean, I guess as head scratcher. I think I we, know. we grew up people our age, we grew up sort of towards the end of the cold war mm-hmm. and then came of age, you know, with this Washington consensus, the, you know, Fukuyama's end of history, the idea that like history is progress, things get better right. as time goes on, um, and that's a very that that statement makes perfect sense to me, but only because I was born one of the very rare people born in the time and place I was that things get better over time, you know, because for a lot of people in a lot of history, things have gotten much much worse over time. Sure, and you also, if you're a student of history at at all, then you know that there is like a period of progress, and then there is a regression, right? And then another period of progress. I'm, I mean, I think of like you know the Roman times. What came after that? Well, the fall of Rome, right? And the, the Dark Ages came after that. Alaric. The... So, I mean, yeah, 
you have these periods of disruption before you have progress and well destruction and from destruction is is creation and it it's a cycle and maybe we were just born at the end of a cycle and it's time for destruction again and i don't know that we i think maybe we fancied ourselves free of that cycle and i i don't know if that's true history repeats itself just <laughs> i mean just, it may not repeat but it rhymes i think that's what i'm trying to get at yeah mm-hmm. so i don't know but I, I do think going forward, America has a lot of soul searching to do. We have to figure out what kind of country we want to be. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing that I'm here's the thing that I'm terrified of. I guess I'm afraid that the way Republicans Republicans see America for what it was always intended to be, and they're trying to hold on to that. Mm. And Democrats and Republicans on the right and Democrats on the left, I should phrase it it's sure. on the and the left progressives see it as what was promised as does that mean like it does. I mean, the, the sort of that's the Obama narrative, right, of the right. or the Lin-Manuel uh, America's the great unfinished symphony, right? Like it's right. it was an incomplete promise that we have to keep building. Like because if you look at the const- I don't know, but this is getting really deep in the weeds now. But if you look at like the constitution, it mm-hmm. was always about power for white, wealthy, elite men. Right. It was not about for anybody else. Always. Right. I mean, it's why the richest third of the U.S. was who really supported the the revolution at the time. Right. You know, it was not the uh, poor downtrodden farmers out in the West, which back then meant like Ohio, but you know. <laughs> and maybe they see it for, I mean, maybe they're not wrong when they talk about how the forefathers are Anyway, it gets into like a, the originalists and, yeah. on the court. Like they see it for what it. They see they see the United States as finite, or as like the, it, it was meant to be this thing and stay this thing always. I mean, I, I think there's that's definitely a popular view. I I pull back from ever agreeing with it when I re, you know remember. There's no such thing as what the founders thought. Like these were about a hundred or so very different men with very different views and agendas. Right. And some of them, there were people who wanted to secure white supremacy and and male supremacy forever. Uh, but there were abolitionists. There were feminists in that yeah. in that group okay. too, and, and they have just as much right to claim. That's part of their vision. And that gets to the Constitution being, you know, this kind of Rube Goldberg machine of a hulking compromise. Right. You know, to sometimes you feel like they were just like, okay, fine, just sign it. Yes. I'm tired of being here. I want to go home. Well, it's it's especially been funny, like in the aftermath of the past two presidential elections, when people 
speak very seriously about, oh, the genius behind the Electoral College. And No, it, it, the founders never understood the Electoral College. Every time they tried to manipulate it, it blew up in their face. You know, the election of 1896 or 1796, 1800, 1808, it took until, uh, what was it, the 12th Amendment, that they could actually get it manageable. Right. And it still blew up in people's face and, and does it's occasionally. Still yeah. It's still blowing up in our face. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I just, I feel like this may be, I'm way oversimplifying this, but I feel like they knew they got it wrong. They knew that they got, they knew they got a lot wrong. Yeah. And they put like a fail safe in to basically say, you guys are going to come up against stuff. We're not going to know about it. We're going to be dead. <laughs> Here's some ways to like fix it as you go. Right. We understand. <laughs> like this is not this is not forever. This is just the best we can do for now. We expect you guys to improve this over time, and we haven't. And it, <laughs> I often wonder, like, if you took like a handful of the founding fathers, we'll say the most famous, like mm-hmm. six, and brought them forward into time. And they and allowed them to like view acclimatize, yeah, yeah, like allowed them to like read all of all of the history of the United States. A, I think they would be horrified by how we deified them, and B, I think they would also be horrified by how many how much we have not amended, yeah, much we have not used the the impeachment Mm -hmm. capabilities of that they gave us i think they would be like we were we expected you guys to make your people and uh you're not perfect neither were we so first of all cut that out yeah Um, yeah i'm just i'm just i always wonder like what what they would think (laughs) about all of all of this it's crazy